This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Football Odyssey. This is your host, Aaron Harris. As you can tell from the episode title, today will be another installment of our football film review series. And today I will be discussing Paper Lion, the 1968 movie adapted from the iconic sports book of the same name written by author George Plimpton that chronicles his 1963 training camp experiences with the Detroit Lions as he strives to play in a preseason exhibition game to get an authentic first-hand look at football and how the professionals play it. George Plimpton pitched to the All-Stars, boxed with the champs, and had the gall to think he could play professional football. The Paper Lion is about to get crazy. Now, I recently wrote a book review on the website that you can access in the description. And for those of you not familiar with the book, George Plimpton, the author, wrote the book as he was gaining prominence in both the literary and the sports world for, number one, being one of the founding editors of the Paris Review, which is a magazine that is still in circulation that includes essays, feature stories, short fiction, long-form interviews with different kinds of writers from all backgrounds, uh, so on and so forth but also for his brand of creative nonfiction storytelling called participatory journalism, where he not only travels side by side with his subjects during their escapades, but also does as they do, getting a more authentic sense of the preparation, the process, and the challenges a professional endures that the average spectator can appreciate. And much of his work has dealt mainly with capturing and replicating the experiences of athletes. Which, if anyone has seen George Plimpton, it would come as a shock because he's about 6'5 with a gawky frame. Uh, you know, he, he looks a little more suited to chronicle the daily experiences of a U.S. diplomat or an economics professor, let alone high testosterone sportsmen with eccentric personalities. And it's also ironic because by George's own admission, sports never carried much importance inside his family. He was born in Manhattan raised in the Upper East Side to a father who was a prominent lawyer and a mother who was a writer herself that came from a lineage of politicians, socialites, and artists. And in an interview with Charlie Rose in the late 90s, he claimed that his father never read the sports pages in the newspaper because there was no point. Uh, But as fate would have it, Plimpton took an interest in the experiences of the athlete, and his career as an author began when he wrote about his turbulent experiences pitching in Yankee Stadium in a postseason all-star game against the National League. The book was called Out of My League, and Plimpton started, stated that the notion of the book was to, quote, play out one's fantasies, the daydreams that so many people have, end quote. Many of his friends and literary contemporaries thought it was an odd, even if interesting, experiment. But he really just wanted to see what it would be like for one to try and do the things that they watch or enjoy just to see how everything would turn out. He followed up on his pitching adventures by boxing welterweight champion Archie Moore for an article that he was writing for Sports Illustrated, which lasted about three rounds. And once 1963 came about, Plimpton decided to pursue the idea of being a last string quarterback for a professional football franchise. 
And at first, it was a challenge for Plimpton to get with the team as he tried to secure an agreement with Baltimore Colts owner uh, Carol Rosenblum, um, which ironically did come to fruition several years later in a follow-up to Paper Lion. And he even spoke to Harry Wismer of the New York Titans and the American Football League. And Wismer liked the idea because of the publicity it could bring, but never responded to Plimpton after, after their initial meeting. But Plimpton did ultimately succeed in finding his team in the Detroit Lions, and did succeed in getting into a Lions team scrimmage game for a series of five plays in which he lost a total of 29 yards. Now, the book achieved great popularity because it was the first of its kind in which a writer went inside a team and documented what goes on behind the curtain of an NFL franchise, all the way from the coaches' meetings where they break down the playbook to the hijinks and the pranks in the locker room and the training camp dormitories. In the commemorative edition of the book, Plimpton writes that many have expressed their pleasure to him. And one, one young man even said that that was the only book that he's ever read. So given the popularity of the book, it's no surprise that United Artists decided to option the rights to the book and adapt this into a motion picture that stars Alan Alda in the lead as Plimpton, co-starring Lauren Hutton in her film debut and featuring a dozen, a dozen or so real-life NFL players in the supporting cast such as Frank Gifford, Joe Schmidt, John Gordy, and even some smaller cameo appearances by Sugar Ray Robinson and Roy Schreider in an early pre-French Connection role. Now, normally this is the part of the episode where I give a breakdown of the plot and walk you through the movie, but truthfully, it's not the kind of movie that relies heavily on a plot. This is a movie that completely immerses itself in the visual action of football and has this fly on the wall feel to it as we follow Plimpton's struggles in practice and experience him getting to know the players on the Lions squad. I think this is a film that can be adequately described as a hangout movie because you aren't watching this for any surprises or to follow along. If you read the book, you obviously know what happens, though there are some minor changes that I'll touch on later. Um, and plus, this isn't the kind of football story that many expect when they watch a football film, either where the underdog rises to the occasion and makes the team uh, because everyone knows going into the movie that Plimpton isn't going to get a roster spot, nor is it a film focused on showing the underbelly of professional football. It's simply showing what Plimpton experienced when he was in the training camp for the sake of writing a book. And the movie is made in a fun way. It, it has this observational kind of aesthetic to it but also intersperses some quick cutaway flashbacks and has some experimental editing that gives the movie a late 60s flair that films were trying to emulate from television at the time. And it's kind of the movie you can just throw on and glance over every now and then uh, to see some either some good football action or just to get a good glimpse of some 1960s pop culture. So in that sense, there isn't much of a plot here worth getting into, aside from the fact that Plimpton does have the opportunity to play in an intra-squad scrimmage game, and unlike real life, gets to play in an actual preseason exhibition game in the final act. Now, if you had the chance to read my book review of Paper Lion, the book stands out for a lot of readers because it's not it not only took uh, fans inside the inner workings of an NFL team, but also took them inside the game as Plimpton spends a lot of time talking with players about the finer points of their position and how it relates to the overall team strategy. Many of the subsequent books done in a similar style, like Dr. Z's The Last Season of Weeb Eubank, 
Roy Bond Jr.'s Three Bricks Shy of a Load or Jay Atkins' The Forgettables, those are much more focused on the personalities of the team. And since they follow a team throughout the course of a full season, there's a lot more drama to be had and more events for them to capture. You know, Plimpton was only with the Lions for about three or four weeks, and he was actually participating as if he was one of the players. So he can't have a completely objective experience because he has to write about the ins and outs of the trade. With that said, many football fans may enjoy reading the strategy aspect of the book because there's a lot of depth that you can go into, but that won't appeal to the masses because there's more people who love football for the sheer hard-hitting violence and larger-than-life personalities than there are people who enjoy hearing about which defensive lineman gets double-teamed on an off-tackle run or what kind of an angle a defensive back has to take to avoid getting beat deep. And having watched the movie directly after finished the, after finishing the book, I came away feeling that this is as good of a film adaptation as one could have made from Plimpton's book. And there are multiple theories as to what makes a good film adaptation. Some would argue that a filmmaker has a responsibility to stay as true to the book as they possibly can, despite the different mechanics in which stories are told on screen versus the written word. Um, some people would say that a story in a book is merely an outline for a film. And because the two mediums each have drastically different methods and limitations to tell a story that they each should be judged independently, you know, books are much more suitable for interior monologues and omnipotent narration. Whereas films more often than not don't have narrators to tell the story or to explain every last detail of a character's thoughts or motivations. So with a few notable exceptions, most films rely on external action and dialogue to tell the story, whereas books use narration. And if you ever read a book like, say, Less Than Zero by Brett Easton Ellis and then watch the 80s film adaptation with Robert Downey Jr., you'll see exactly what I mean in terms of how the same story is told in two different mediums. Um, but sports movies are a great choice for adaptations because you have an external event that usually serves as the main plot point and the sport itself makes for great visuals. And the screenplay for Paper Lion was written by Lawrence Roman, whose major success in Hollywood at the time came from adapting the Ira Levin crime novel, novel A Kiss Before Dying, that was made into a 1956 film noir with Robert Wagner and Virginia Leith. And this and in this movie, he was able to capture the moments of the book that were full of character and that people wanted to really see. You know, he includes the locker room pranks that the Lions players played on Plimpton or the raunchy talent show that the veterans made the rookies in Plimpton perform or the hazing sequences in the beginning before diving into the practices and the training drills on the field. And this is the kind of information that people want to see play out if they only have two hours or less of screen time just to see what happens inside an NFL team. And he even reorganized some events in the book to make it less repetitive or to set the tone, uh, like Alex Karras' joke in the beginning of the film. That's Alex Karras over there. Okay? <laughs> hey, Al, tell us about Hitler. I hear you two are quite a pair. That was a front. I'll tell you something. You really want to know about Hitler? He was abroad. Do I? I'm not kidding. You know who he really was? It's my mother-in-law from Clinton. <laughs> Beautiful. 
This was actually mentioned later in the book and was actually told to Plimpton by another Lions player because Karras was actually suspended that season due to his gambling confession. Uh, but it's a good example of how screenwriting can maintain certain events, dialogue interactions, or themes of a, of a book, but, main, uh, but maintain them in a composite way for the sake of a film's runtime. And another thing that really stood out to me was the fact that this was by far the most natural football movie I've seen, both in terms of pacing and also creating a down-to-earth football environment. The movie had a consistent flow to it, and not a single scene really felt out of place. Like I previously mentioned, the movie has this observational style to it that succeeds in great part because the time frame of the movie is shorter than most football films, and therefore the filmmakers don't have to worry about rushing through anything. Um, but it's not so short where it needs a lot of filler. Um, you know, the early part of the film spends enough time on Plimpton's persistence to get with the team and then has a nice balance between the practice sequences, the nights out drinking, the locker room hijinks, and then ultimately the final game. But mostly the film succeeds because of the casting and not in terms of the leads, um, but because of the supporting cast. Many of the Lions players in this movie were actually there at the same time Plimpton was. So they were able to play the roles as if they were back in training camp because it wasn't acting for them. It was just simply them being them. Um, most football players that are cast in supporting roles often overplay the part of a football player to the point where it becomes a caricature or they hardly have a presence in the film. Um, it's just a kind of a way to bring out a bigger audience. But every player here comes across the way they did in the book. Uh, there's a casualness and playfulness that speaks to what I was referring to earlier about this being a hangout movie, as it has the chemistry of a real life team because they were all teammates. And it also has that internal competitiveness during practice is that teammates can replicate, um, but maybe not so much actors can if they're playing football players as opposed to football players being actors. And not only that, but adding more NFL figures in this film actually strengthens its naturalism and authenticity as you have cameo appearances by Frank Gifford and to my surprise, Vince Lombardi. <laughs> Pro football from the inside. Is that what you really want, George? That's the idea, coach. In other words, you want the fans to get a real good look at the head knocking, the training, etc. That goes into the making of a professional football team. That's it. And then at the end, I go into a real game and run off a few plays at quarterback. A real game? You've got to be kidding. No, that's what the whole thing is leading to. <laughs> and you mean to tell me that you went three rounds with Sugar Ray Robinson? Pitch to the All-Stars, huh? I will say it's an interesting idea, a real interesting idea. But you know, George, we carry four quarterbacks now. And to ask us to carry five, I think that would be a real headache. I just don't think it will work. Have you tried the AFL? As you can imagine, uh, United Artists got a lot of support from the NFL, which goes a long way in, in terms of getting guys like uh, Lombardi or Gifford. And one more thing I wanted to touch on quickly before I mentioned a few things that didn't work in the film was the music, which was composed by Roger Kellaway, who was a jazz musician before scoring films. And this also adds to the groovy nature of the movie, if you will, as 
the jazzy music kind of gives this whimsical undertone that if you were uh, listening to the music without the visual, you might imagine being inside of a cocktail lounge late at night, smoking a pack of cigarettes. And Kelly uses used this music even during the scenes when the Lions were going through their drills, uh, where Plimpton just fails to keep up with the players. And the music almost highlights the absurdity of the whole idea. Plus, the swinging 60s nostalgia that the music brings to mind also seems appropriate for the NFL in the 60s, as it was a league that was still coming of age. And when you hear this music, uh, similar to the more subtle music that NFL Films composer Sam Spence made, it just sounds like a game that had a lot more personality and a more funky, free-spiritedness before it became a rigid corporate game. Now, on to the parts of the movie that didn't work. If any of you have listened to my previous film reviews, you'll know that forced love interests are very difficult for me to get on board with. And seeing as most of them aren't well done, this movie included, there's very little point in me going uh, into detail any further on it. Lauren Hutton does look good in her film debut, but there's really no purpose for her being in the film except to be eye candy. Until, that is, she drops a line in the movie that highlights what's really wrong with the film that I'll get into later. And that would be Alan Alda's performance as George Plimpton. Now, when you read the book, Plimpton is absolutely self-aware and self-deprecating in regards to his capabilities as an athlete. Yes, he is taking the experience seriously and does want to grasp the realities of an NFL player. And he does want to test what he's learning game action. 
But never once in the book do you get the sense that Plimpton is now taking this opportunity to heart and trying to prove something. He's simply, quote unquote, curious George trying to find or trying to understand his subjects and the world that he's thrust himself into. And the film does open up with a disclaimer that George Plimpton in this movie isn't meant to be an accurate portrayal of the man. But I don't know for the life of me why they would wouldn't want to be true to his personality. And the movie had plenty of humor from every other character. And Plimpton himself is a humorous guy. So I don't know why Alex Marsh, the director, or even um, screenwriter Rosa would write Alda to be more like Plimpton. Instead, as we get deeper into the movie, Alda appears to be way too anxious in the beginning of the film and starts to take himself too seriously um, when he starts to comprehend the strategy and the mechanics of playing quarterback. Now, he nearly gets into a fight at a bar. What do you play? Where does he play? He plays tower collector. That's what he no, plays. No, well, just a minute. I don't think you have to be so rude. Rude? Yeah. That was not a sweet word, rude. It kind of gets me right. Listen, I'm not interested in being exposed to your antediluvian aggressiveness. What'd you say? Are you some kind of expert on football from Chicago? Let me exactly. tell you something, Charlie. Another word out of you, I'm going to knock you right on your keys. With what? With these, Charlie. Oh, I'd like to see George. that. Apologize for what, damn it? I didn't do anything. George is swearing. I don't care. He was bad mouth. I don't apologize for anything. Wait a He's taking the jokes and comments from Lions players that were made in jest far too personally when he sus- suspects that they let him do good in the scrimmage. It was probably your idea, too. What was? What, to have, the, to have the defense laid down for it. George, we enjoyed having you in camp. It broke the monotony. Oh, well, the hell with that. That's not what I'm talking about. Besides, you learn to swear real good, so you see, you can't be all bad. Really? I'm just trying to make you feel good, Georgie, so you can take memories back to New York with you, that's all. It was a put-down. Hey, why don't you drink your beer? Will you ruin a whole party? How do you know I couldn't really have done it? You'd have gotten killed, that's why I know. Says who? Me. Oh, you guys are so tough. Are you? There's nobody as tough as a pro footballer, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let me tell you something. You want to know something? You want to know what tough really is? You want to know what Percy Houghton did when he was coaching football at Harvard? Percy? Houghton? Percy Houghton at Harvard. You, you know what he did to get the guys up for the, for the Yale game? <laughs> he took a bulldog and he strangled it with his bare hand. Like this. Oh, 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 <laughs> And at the end of the film, when he's on the sideline waiting to be put in, it's like he feels let down, not for his journalism project, but because he can't go out there and show how far he's come. And in the scene right before they arrive at the hotel, Lauren Hutton is sitting with Alda in his car, and she has a line that really sums up this character flaw and really the flaw of the entire movie that almost makes me glad that her character was created just to articulate this line. Look. No, you 
haven't been out drinking with you, St. Louis Cardinals. They're no big buddies of yours or anything. I know. That's the whole idea. George, they don't know you George Plimpton's super rider. They think you're George Plimpton's super rookie. Good. That's better. You really think you can do it, don't you? Do what? Be the high school football hero. Oh, I do. You do so? I don't. That's silly. I don't think so. I think you better come back to New York with me. And see a shrink. A shrink? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> you do so. You really think you could do it? Well, I have been in training, though. George! Look, you better get out of it. This flight will cost me a $50 fine if you stay here any longer. Better than you should get killed. Now, obviously, Alan is an accomplished actor, to say the least. And I'm not sure if this was his interpretation of Plimpton's experiences or if it was a decision from director Alex March or United Artists, or maybe it's just, that's just how Lawrence Rosen wrote the character in the script to add more drama to the film. But it was an unfortunate misstep because that was really the only drawback for me as I was watching the film. Uh, and some film critics will also agree with me. Others would disagree. Clifford Terry thought Alda overplayed the role of Plimpton at times, but he had the silly smirk and the nervous uh, geniality to play the role. Uh, while Ebert, Roger Ebert, also thought um, he actually thought Alan Alda did good in the role. Ebert also thought the players looked stiff, which makes me wonder if we were watching the same film or if he's even been uh, in a locker room or ever been surrounded by an NF, uh, NFL players. Um, but nonetheless, I suggest you check this movie out for yourself and you can watch it free on YouTube. If you are a football fan, then this is right up your alley as there is plenty of NFL action including essentially the last third of the movie, which is essentially just a half-hour football sequence shot by Steve Sable between the Lions and the St. Louis Cardinals with some great shots of the field and the action. Even if you don't like football that much, it's a fun movie just to watch for the 60s pop culture to put you in the jazzy mood. And that, ladies and gentlemen, are my thoughts on the movie Paper Lion. Don't forget to read my book review of Paper Lion if you haven't already. That can be accessed in the film description. And let me know what you all think on Twitter and Instagram. Also, feel free to subscribe and share and rate the podcast. As always, thank you for listening and take care until next time.